The Start On Demand. On demand. Fuel prices. On Thursday, we learned they jumped to $1.639 in Winnipeg, and that has so many ramifications. This, of course, has to do with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Today, we talked about the ramifications on the trucking industry. We also had an important conversation about Overdose Awareness Day, which is coming up on Sunday. We spoke to a former Winnipegger now living in Colorado, the author of Addiction Emergency Response Plan. We had an important conversation about men's mental health because Greg was featured in a Winnipeg photographer's series called Hashtag We Should Talk. So we brought that photographer on to talk about what he's learned so far. And believe it or not, we had some fun talking about taxes. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. Who was off today? We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, March 4th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. It is Friday, and we do promise to bring you some levity on this Friday morning, as we are wont to do every morning, but particularly on Fridays. But, uh, of course, it it sometimes... I don't know about you, Greg, but sometimes it feels like maybe it's weird to try to bring levity, given what is happening in the world, particularly in Ukraine, and the latest... Uh, developments pertain to the uh, capturing of this power plant. I agree with you. It is difficult sometimes to find even the energy, the strength, and the justification to add the levity, but I think we need it, uh, Brett, and good morning to you, my friend. Uh, Overnight, Russian forces captured Europe's largest nuclear power plant after attacking it which started at least one fire. And if you were up last night and doing any scrolling and social media or watching any news, that was absolutely the talk of any social media feeds that I saw last night, at least news-oriented ones. And this morning on the uh, all the major news networks around the world, that is the number one story. So this fire started at this nuclear power plant and... Um, the good news is the blaze was extinguished by Ukrainian firefighters, according to Ukrainian and UN officials. The state nuclear regulatory uh, inspectorate of Ukraine said that the power plant near the town of Energodar was occupied by Russian military troops after compu- uh, confirming rather no changes to radiation levels following intense fighting and shelling at the station. The attack sparked a fire at a nearby administration building Outside the station's perimeter walls, the fire was extinguished hours later, but still led to growing concerns about radiation levels and a potential nuclear event. And depending on which news source you're looking at, and that's from globalnews.ca, by the way, depending on which news outlets you look at, this is is a gigantic, this is the the largest nuclear uh, facility in Europe. And any breach, any sort of disaster you know, if it was equivalent to what happened in Chernobyl, if the same thing were to happen at this plant, it would result in something 10 times worse than Chernobyl. So I think it's just an example of how quickly this whole situation could ex- escalate and change on a dime and and do things as disastrous as what they've become already with Russia apparently having no problem 
uh, firing upon and and destroying homes, apartment buildings in Ukraine. This there, there's still another another level to this, and it, it, it's it's a little scary if you ask me, Brett. So if there are any developments on that situation, we, of course, will bring them to you as soon as possible here on 680 CJOB. Also want to say good morning to Jack, who texted us about a half hour from Highway 3, sent us a picture as well of some rather interesting snowdrifts that have blown across the road. He says Highway 3 is like driving over speed bumps. He adds, good thing the plows start at 7 a.m., LOL. This is why we need 24-hour road maintenance. I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like this. How would you describe this? I mean, snow drifts are, uh, are one thing, but this looks a little bit, A, like artwork. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like clouds. Yes. And uh, based on uh, moguls, there you go. Perfect analogy. Well done, Brett. And I would suggest that uh, driving on this would not be a lot of fun. We're going to speak about trucking a little bit later on this morning with the hike in gasoline prices. It obviously translates into diesel price increases for the most part, but it also ultimately will lead to increased prices, not only at the pump, but on most of the things that we buy. It's going to have increased uh, costs for transportation. But this is another example Jack sends this at 547, 537 this morning. Trucking, truckers are moving stuff across the country at all hours, 24-7. How we don't have 24-hour-7 maintenance on our highways to keep those individuals and that cargo safe is is beyond me. It's such a head-scratcher, Brett. Yeah, at 805, we'll talk more about the the cost, uh, as you mentioned, of the uh, the cost of the pump and what it is doing for for truckers. I mean, I know that yesterday on Global News at 6 p.m. on Global Winnipeg, they spoke to a number of people about the the rising cost of gases. It went up to a dollar sixty three nine in many locations yesterday, and I saw a picture on Instagram of somebody who said just filled up the Malibu. So that's a Chevrolet. That's a sedan. It's not a tank. $84 to fill up uh, for just a tank of gas. And um, I remember when I used to drive the, the mighty Taurus. Bought a t- Ford. It was a 1993 Ford Taurus. I think I bought it in 2000 or two. I don't know. Somewhere around there. And I remember when it cost me, I think, $40. I thought that was expensive. Of course, for you know, I was working part-time, going to school. So every penny counted then. But... Uh, $84 for a tank of gas. Like I said, for me the other day, it was 75 That was when it was $1.49.9. So I'm curious to know what it will cost. By, and by the time I do have to fill my tank again, it'll probably be a month from now. Well, Who lucky. knows what the, the price of gas will be by then. We want to talk about staycations in Manitoba in a moment. But before that, uh, we got a... a Good blast of perspective, Greg, from listener Deborah. Yes, and I don't want to be the voice of doom this morning. So, uh, Brett, if you you feel me going that way, please give me a digital nudge or something (laughs) because there's so many things to be uh, grateful for today as we look across uh, the world and we we look at what's going on in Ukraine. I am so grateful and thankful for, for where we are. And Deborah puts it pretty pretty starkly in my opinion those gas prices are crazy 
but I think about the fact that I'm not sharing my road with tanks and soldiers trying to destroy my home and country. And she throws in, have a wonderful Friday. And so, uh, as you put it, Brett, a wonderful piece of perspective from our friend Deborah on the text line 204-780-6868. And in our next segment, we are going to tell you what we need you to text us about for a chance to win yourself two tickets for Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show at Red River Exhibition Place from March 18th to the 20th. Stand by for those details, and we will pick a winner at 9.15. And by the way, after 7 o'clock, we're going to talk to a listener who revealed to us that he lives downtown, moved downtown, downsized during the pandemic, and loves it. So we'll find out why he loves living downtown in our next half hour. But right now... And hey, of course, we'll bring you any further developments on the war in Ukraine, the situation with that power plant uh, through the morning. But right now, we want to talk about something happening right here in Manitoba, and it is good news for our tourism industry. Yeah, vacancy rates at Manitoba resorts are extremely low heading towards spring break. That's despite the fact families now have many more options when it comes to booking a holiday, Brett. Global's Merrick Takesh has more. Vacancy rates are surprisingly low at resorts across the province, considering that families now have many more options when it comes to booking a holiday. I feel that based on the last couple of years where people were not able to travel south, um, they have realized now that being only two hours away from Winnipeg or Brandon, three hours, people want that flexibility of being able to get in the car and drive for a couple of hours and have a great holiday. Something that Manitobans appear to be taking full advantage of later this month. Elkhorn Resort near Clear Lake is close to 95% full, while Hecla's Lakeview Resort is completely sold out from March 26th to April 3rd. There's still hesitancy to travel, whether that's within Canada or to get on a plane or even to travel internationally. Of course, they're still testing. So there's still a little bit of barrier. So for spring break 2022, um, I, I am not surprised that our hotels and resorts and our attractions are busy. Local hiking advocate Jamie Manis says Manitoba's trails probably won't be as busy as they were last year, and that's because many hikers are opting for adventures in Alberta or B.C. instead. In turn, she expects tourists from other provinces to take advantage of Manitoba's many hiking trails more so than last year. It was really showcased well during the pandemic, so I think there's a lot that people still want to explore. So I think it's the job of all of us who are kind of um, in the know to keep sharing that information and, uh, you know, keep highlighting different areas of the province. As for an off-the-grid spring break adventure, Tourism Manitoba recommends exploring the area around the suspension bridges in Souris and Penawa. There's endless activities at our nature preserves that are uh, just surrounding the city, Okamak Marsh, Fort White Alive. They do amazing programming during spring break for family and for children. Merrick DeCash, Global News. One of the things that sticks out for me about this particular report is, you know, the knowledge that you can book a trip within two, three hours in Manitoba, i.e. when it's time to go home, you get home relatively quickly. Like, look, traveling is great and I... I long to return to Las Vegas, and I know uh, many Manitobans like to flee to warmer climes in uh, the winter. Uh, but the re- let's face it, the return journey always stinks, 
right? Like it's not so bad when you're on your way out because you're excited. I remember flying out to uh, to Mazatlan when I was 28 years old in, uh, I guess it was mid-February. And everybody on the plane was younger or you know around my age, and everybody was excited. And on the way home, <laughs> it was just a plane full of hungover people. Everybody was grumpy. Um, but like last year for the Laker, for example, like we've driven down to Minnesota – the, for the late, I say the Laker like everybody knows what that is. The Laker Classic. It's me and my friends and I. We have this annual golf tournament, and and uh, we try to tour Southern Manitoba. But sometimes we head to the states. We went to Giants Ridge in Minnesota. We've been to a place called Breezy Point in Minnesota, and there was talk even of heading to Wisconsin for Laker Twenty Five. Uh, but last year we went to Hecla. It's like just over two hours from Winnipeg, and uh, it's a lovely drive. And uh, then we, you know, when we were done, we just got, you know, we were home within two hours and, and that was it. So, you know, the longest drive I think we've done is three and a half out to uh, Oak Island, which is west of uh, Verdon. Uh, for the new nine last year, the other, the other new tournament I started with a couple of buddies, we went to Nipah and Minnedosa. So again, that's just a little over two hours and Clear Lake isn't that far. So nope. like we've got so many great options right here in the province and it's good to hear that people are still taking advantage of that. Well, and I think this could be a long-term benefit of discovering what's in our own backyard. And then you throw those gas prices in and uh, maybe out of necessity, you go from one necessity of staying close to home to another from the pandemic to now this new era of, of very high gas prices. That might be the new norm uh, for, for the next little while. And, I think you're right, Brad. Lots of fantastic options really close to home. So uh, if you want to share your insight, I know it's sort of like sharing where you find the best fishing. You might not want too many people to know where you go. But if you're willing to share, we'd like to hear. 780-6868. Some spring break uh, travel plans that you might have within the borders of Manitoba. One of the things we're going to be talking about today, uh, one of the primary topics on CJOB today is getting ready to do your tax season because tax season is upon us. Apparently, we've had access to our T4s, Greg, since mid-February. I just I, I missed that email. <laughs> so well, I'm going to be printing that off. I'm just waiting for an RSP uh, from my financial advisor. So, Fred, if you're listening, get me that RSP receipt so I can file my taxes. But... Um, we want to have some fun with this. I know taxes is not necessarily the most fun topic in the world, and it strikes fear into the hearts of many, I'm sure. But surely we can come up with uh, an, um, perhaps an amusing story or a frustrating story. Like, do you do your taxes? Do you take it somewhere? Have you ever tried to do the taxes on your own and gotten frustrated? I don't know. Tell us a story. Maybe you got a, a sweet refund when you were younger and you went out and bought something completely nonsensical. Whatever. 204-780-6868. Jeff Forte, let's start with you. I don't do my taxes. I get my mom to do them. Yeah! Yeah, mom! <laughs> I know you're listening right now, so, I, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll, we'll have a little chat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my mom did my taxes for for years because she used to do lots of bookkeeping, and she just did the family taxes, and I finally started taking it somewhere when I... Uh, when I bought a house, I did the home buyer's plan where I withdrew from my RSPs, uh, which I regret because it's you know I got to pay it back on my taxes for 15 years, and it's a it's a it's a yearly reminder of my failure. But uh, yeah, so 
Nothing wrong with getting mom to do the taxes. Well, the thing what is, is that, that, 600 bucks a year, Brett? Uh, it's uh, For me, it was uh, it's uh, just over 1000 Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I learned how to do taxes in high school, but that went right over my head, and I don't remember anything about it now. I could do it, but I could try. I just, I'm too lazy. <laughs> I'm just too lazy. <laughs> I drop them off at H- H&R Block. I say, here you go. I come back an hour later, and they give me a check, and I'm on my way. Uh, Poitras, what about you? Uh, well, I was, I was, was, this was a couple of years ago, um, uh, was, you know, in a new, new family and all that. And, and my father-in-law was talking to me. He said, yeah, well, just give, give me your taxes. I'll give them to the family accountant and he'll take care of it. I said, absolutely. That's fine. So anyways, I had it off and, you know, weeks go by and, um, I get a, I get a, you know, it wasn't my wife at the time, but, uh, my, you know, well, my wife now sends me a text says, oh, your, your return came. And I said, okay, we'll just open it up and don't tell me what the return is going to be, and I'll, I'll be there right away, and uh, um, and and then you can you can surprise me with the amount. So, anyways, my father-in-law uh, opens it up, and he looks at it, and he goes, "Huh?" And Sky goes, "Well, what 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 is it?" And he goes, "Well, there's this little box checked back in 2013 that says widowed," and so I was I had gotten somebody to do my taxes back in 2013 and I guess they had made a mistake and said that I was oh, no. widowed <laughs> and so I walk into the house and and they're like what's going on and, and he's my father-in-law's got this big smirk on his face and uh this guy's like what's going on what is this what are you you're widowed what happened and I went I have no idea I had this guy do my taxes he's passed away since I can't even ask him what happened so uh, yeah, I'll just never live that down. So like, every tax year comes up, he says, any other marriages or uh, children <laughs> yeah. that you haven't, you haven't disclosed to me yet? So. And sorry, when did this happen? Oh, well, this, this was uh, two years ago or three years ago. Uh, but the tax was from like 2013 and it was just a mistake. Oh, wow. It's been, it's so you've been, been widowed since. for eight years. Yeah, it's been, it's been really <laughs> Should tough. I send flowers now? Or yeah, well, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Send them to my wife. <laughs> um mackling what you got for us oh man i hate taxes can i just say that straight up front what just the mere mention of the fact we were going to be discussing this today and i'm waiting for a text message from my accountant reed where's your stuff because he listens to the show every morning but the goofiest thing that ever happened to me doing taxes was years and years and years ago in the early 90s i used to live with a buddy of mine and i i went uh, i think it was h&r block or something similar and i went in and you could claim your rent you got some sort of tax credit back i don't know if that still can, yeah, happens still if you that. work yeah, yeah. does that so if your rent does that yeah. still happen yep yeah okay well i went in there and i i went i did my thing and and i claimed my uh rent thing and guy goes your roommate was just in here like an hour and a half ago you guys both can't claim true <laughs> <the> rent <laughs> I said, said, what what do you mean? (laughs) He says, yeah, that's the law. Like one or the other of you have to claim it. And no, you can't claim half each, you one or the other. So I don't even remember how we decided. I guess I had to leave it with my roommate because he'd already processed his taxes and was probably on his way back to pick up the the instant rebate. So (laughs) I got, uh, I got... Hosed, screwed out of the uh, rebate. So. Uh, my buddy and me, when we were paying rent, uh, we had a we had a gentleman's agreement that I he, I didn't I would pay all the bills up until the three hundred fifty bucks was was so we split it down the middle. So we got a minute left, Jeff Braun. 
Uh, you know what? My story takes much longer than that, so we'll have to wait till next taxi. Oh, come on. It, it involves, uh, I, I, I went to go do my taxes at one of those kiosk places in the mall where I'd gone for several years. They had me on file. And this one year I went about 10 years ago and they couldn't, the guys pulls out the information and he starts asking me questions and none of the stuff that he's talking about jives at all with any of my information. I was like, I, I don't know what's going on here, but none of this is right. And we finally decided to discover that he had pulled the wrong file and it was the other Jeff Braun. There's this other Jeff Braun who I have <laughs> run-ins with every few years because we were born, we have the same middle name. We were born two towns apart. We went. We applied for the same program at the same college at the same time and oh gave the my. administration their fits. We worked in the same field for the same major company for a while, <laughs> and that screwed up the payroll. And every just few years, I just me and this guy just crossed paths, and it just caused mass confusion. Curse you, <laughs> Jeff Braun! <laughs> We want to talk about downtown living, specifically downsizing to move downtown during the pandemic. And the way this conversation sprouted, Greg, was organic, as things often happen on this show and this radio station. And I think it's one of the favorite things uh, for both of us about doing this job. On Monday, we will remind you for our contest, we were talking about the creative ways we're saving money, if we can, in the wake of the rising cost of living. We also talked about the things we've worked hard to save up for, either as a kid or as an adult. Our winner revealed he lived a few hours outside Winnipeg, had worked hard to save up $102 to purchase a Practica 35mm camera from Consumers Distributing. Finally, when he came into the city, sold out everywhere, couldn't get his hands on it, ended up buying a four and a half inch black and white TV, that he could sneak under the blankets to watch David Letterman. So when we got his info, he sends us his address, and I looked it up, and I said, hey, you live downtown in a newish building. How, how do you like it? So let's find him. Let's bring him on to find out. Jason Gravlin is our guest, our contest winner from Monday. Jason, good morning to you, sir. And a good morning to everyone there. So why did you and your family move downtown? Well, it's a, it's a long story, but I'll make it real short. Uh, my wife and I were both in the military, and uh, she at one point left the military to, to follow me around and start start our family. And eventually we settled in Winnipeg on a military posting. And But we'd always talked about what we wanted to do as we you know left that career and, and approached our retirement years. And it was her dream to live downtown uh, in an apartment and experience all of the, the joys of downtown living. And uh, uh, we've decided that Winnipeg is going to be our home and, and being from here, uh, you know, it's a natural fit. And so back in, you know, we've always talked about moving, but back in October, uh, my wife brought a friend of hers to the house who is a real estate agent. And he looked at the house and said, oh, this will this will sell fast. And we had been eyeing True North Square in the, uh, the 225 uh, Carlton area. And we just looked at each other and said, let's do it. And a week, we did a week's worth of decluttering. The house was listed, and a week later it was sold. And in December of 2020, we made the move. Isn't that a great story, Jason? And uh, kudos to you for following through, because it's a discussion we have in this house as well. We're years away, I think, from making the move. But it is something that's on our radar as well. So uh, on a personal level and for our listeners, how do you like it? 
well, I, I really enjoy it. My wife loves it. And, you know, you, you can um, you can look downtown and see all of those fun things that, uh, that brought us here. And, and we're starting to enjoy a lot now, especially as the pandemic lifts. Uh, things like, you know, Jets games being just across the street. And, and we don't go to too many, but we go to a few. Um, you know, we hop off the elevator, walk out a door, and we catch the bus right there, and it takes us right to the Bomber game, which that's something we love doing together. Um, there's restaurants and there's activities and, you know, the, the farmer's market. And, and as, as things emerge, as we emerge from the pandemic, things are getting better and better. And, you know, I, I'm actually in my bedroom right now looking to the south, and I've got a beautiful view of the skyline. It extends from where the Fort Gary Hotel is all the way towards the legislature and past. And, uh, you know, those remarkable sun, uh, sunrises that uh, you're speaking about, that's something that we live almost every day. What's it, you know, as far as experiencing downtown during the pandemic, I mean, downtown has, has had a rough go over the last couple of years in terms of uh, businesses taking it on the chin. So what's been your experience in, uh, in that kind of ob- observation? Yeah, that that's been a that's been a tough part of it. We we were excited to be uh, uh, sort of on the cusp of of downtown living and seeing this revitalization of downtown, you know, and then the pandemic. Well, I guess we moved during the pandemic, um, and some of the businesses that were there when we moved are no longer with us, and um, it's a bit heart uh, gut wrenching really um, when you see entire blocks. Um, with for lease signs and vacancy signs. I, I can think of a just kitty corner to us, uh, a coffee shop, a sandwich shop, um, a framing store, and I think there was a fashion store all in one block, and all of them are gone. And, I, you know, it's, a lot of folks have had a tough ride through, through the pandemic, and uh, just a, a quick drive through the downtown core exposes just how difficult, uh, difficult it's been on, on a lot of businesses. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful that... Um, you know, when we get through this, when, whenever that is, and, and people are comfortable uh, coming back out and spending their money and, and being amongst other people, I'm hopeful that downtown will 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 re, uh, rejuvenate a bit. Um, but it's, it will take some time, and that's been tough to see. Well, thanks for uh, agreeing to speak with us this morning, Jason. Give your best, uh, give our best to your entire family, and uh, well, let's catch up again. Let's do this again. We'll check in with you and and find out how things are going in a few months' time. This has been uh, very insightful. Thanks, Jason. You bet. It's been fun. Thanks a lot. And Jason, sorry, before we let you go, sorry, was it just this past October or was it October 2020? It was October 2020 that we brought the agent in, and December 2020, we we made the move. Okay. Oh, and by the way, uh, are you are you sour that Greg was able to get his hands on that particular camera and you didn't? <laughs> I've decided not to speak of it ever again. As a matter of fact. <laughs> I'm going to go through the Tower of Totes in the next week or next week or so here, Jason. And if I get my hands on it, solemn oath on the air, I will gift you this camera as a no, as a token no. of appreciation. No, no, no. That's that. I was just, I, you know, I was thrilled telling the story. It was, I was beautiful to, listening to you tell the story. But Paul, oh, what a dagger when you said you had that camera. <laughs> Jason, thanks for joining us. This has been great. Have a great weekend, everyone. Talking taxes for a chance to win yourself two tickets for Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show at Red River Exhibition Park uh, from March 18th to the 20th. And when I, whenever I think about taxes, the very first thing I think about, and I don't know how many uh, people 
were, I mean, I don't know how many students were there. It was a lot. It was hundreds of us. I was part of a student program at the Taxation Center on Stapon in my high school years. They uh, they needed students to come help. Sort. This is back when most of the tax forms were still done by paper, right? Like this was sure, in the early sure. 1990s. Yeah. So they'd have us come in and just basically sort them. We would just each grab a stack of like 100 envelopes and just open the tax return and just kind of put them together so that they could then go off to the actual processing department so that they they could just sort like flip through everything easily because it was like thousands of tax returns. and uh, But it always devolved into us just... <laughs> whipping elastics at each other and eventually someone would take one in the eye and then the supervisors oh, would come yeah, in. Oh, yeah, it's always fun till someone gets it in the eye, Brad. <laughs> so I'm just curious, were you in that student program? 204-780-6868. I had a big crush on this girl named Stacy who I sat across. Of course, I didn't ask oh, her out because I was go. a chicken. I'm not looking <laughs> yes, for Stacy yes, 30 yes, years yes, later. Yes. Uh-huh. Here's here's where we're going. We're trying to find her, are we? <laughs> no, Is that we're where not. We're going, Brad? No, we're not. I just <laughs> threw that out there because I thought it was funny. Okay, Jeff. So why is Mr. Fortier playing the Batman theme from the '60s? Because, of course, the big new movie out this weekend is The Batman. Fear is a tool. When that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. I've been trying to reach you. Find the gun! Hear everything they say, ancient. Maybe we're not so different. Who are you under there? I'm vengeance. This will, of course, have a much different tone than the old uh, 60s TV show. Robert Pattinson becomes the seventh actor to portray the Dark Knight and the third in the last 10 years. The Batman is at 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's the good news that apparently it is a good movie. The bad news, of course, is that it's three hours long, which seems unnecessary. Aside from Pattinson, the movie has a stacked cast, including Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Colin Farrell as a Penguin, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant Gordon, not quite commissioner yet, Andy Serkis as Alfred, and John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. And the Batman's in theaters now. What's black and blue and dead all over? Now, Jeff Braun, remind us, how many times did you see The Dark Knight in theaters? I saw that five times in theaters. I also paid $8 to watch it on an airplane two days before it came out on DVD. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you like the Batman. Are you excited about this? Oh, yeah. 
I am excited about this. At first, when they announced it, I was like, "Ugh, do we need another Batman so soon after uh, the Ben Affleck movies or whatever? But uh, now that I've seen some of the commercials and the, the word of mouth and the reviews are good, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited for it. I'm going this weekend. What about that three-hour uh, movie length? Yeah, I'm going to not drink for about 36 hours beforehand, so maybe I won't have to go to the bathroom more than once during the movie, but uh, we'll see. Bring a buddy so you can uh, lean over and say, hey, what I miss when I was out in the washroom? Not even an ounce of H2O for Jeff Braun for 36 <laughs> hours before seeing the Batman. Greg, what do you think about the, the, the length of movies these days? Like That seems pr- like that's a long time for a movie. Well, I can tell you this. There's no way I'm getting through it without having to step out for a couple of minutes. That is for darn sure. I don't know why when it's that long, they don't have a planned intermission. But I'm more curious as to where this fits in with the other Batman movies. Is this a a retelling of the the Batman that we saw with Michael Keaton? Like, I, I just, I'm always confused or... Maybe I just don't bother to investigate where these different movies line up in terms of the timeline. I'm a a stickler for chronology, Braun. It's its own thing. It's a standalone thing. It has nothing to do with any of the other ones, even though Ben Affleck will be Batman again later this year in the movie about The Flash. He'll show up in that, and I think Michael Keaton shows up as Batman in that too. So uh, it's only going to get more confusing for you, I'm afraid, Greg, but this this is its own thing. Apparently, they are skipping. There will be apparently no scenes of... Batman's parents dying because that happens in almost every other Batman movie and uh, much like the MCU Spider-Man movies they don't show him getting bit by the spider because we've seen it so many times so at least they're skipping that Uh, but yeah it's you know loaded to bear with bad guys in this one like so many movies are these days I think that's the thing about these characters right like yeah it's the we're getting a new Batman and it's a new story but that's kind of how it is in the comics like at any given time there I think there can be up to like 10 different Batman comic books on the shelf and they're all telling their own individual stories it's just this, this particular comic tells one story and this particular one tells another story and just whatever, whichever comic you read it's just as long as the character is there that's uh, all that really matters so uh, yeah I'm uh, excited about that and I can tell you the couch potatoes are excited about this <laughs> The return of Survivor, Survivor 42, Wednesday on Global. Jeff, are you excited? Always excited when Survivor comes back. Uh, last season wasn't their best season, but it was nice to have it back because, of course, it had been gone for 18 months, and it's just it's, it's comfort viewing because it's been with us for well, 22 years at this point. So uh, it's number 42. I'm always excited when Survivor comes back. One of Canada's most popular shows, and uh, starting Tuesday on Global, we just want to mention this quickly. There's a limited series based on a story shared back in 2019 on Dateline and later a super popular podcast upon which this show is named. Renee Zellweger stars in The Thing About Pam, and it's a six-episode series. It's actually Zellweger's broadcast TV debut as both executive producer and star alongside Josh Duhamel and Judy Greer. The tagline is, she's a friend until the end. Kind of like Chucky. And uh, Renee Zellweger stars as Pam Hop, and it's based on the 2011 murder of Betsy Faria that resulted in Betsy's husband Russ's conviction, although he insisted he did not kill her, and then this brutal crime sets off a chain of events that would expose a diabolical scheme deeply involving Pam Hop. Greg, uh, you know, do you have any recollection of this particular story? 
I have to admit, I don't. And I've been seeing the promotions for this left, right, and center, not only on the TV, but online as well. And no, this doesn't ring any bells for me. I was curious as to how you guys were going to come out on this one and whether or not you're excited about seeing it. Well, I'm I'm certainly curious because one of the interesting and controversial things about this show is that Zellweger's uh, wearing body prosthetics to increase her size or, as critics say, a fat suit. And they, you know, the, the, some of the criticisms are like, it's 2022 and we're still putting actors in fat suits. I guess there are no above average size women who could have played this part. But conversely, when you look at, when you circle back to the Batman, and I'm not saying that's wrong, like they, I'm sure, surely they could have found somebody, but Zellweger clearly was inter- invested in this story, wants to tell the story. Um, and so she's, she's an actor, she's playing a role, just like Colin Farrell as the Penguin, Jeff Braun and the Batman. When I first saw the trailer for that, I thought, that, that's Colin Farrell? Yeah, I, I, I thought, and I, I, part of me still wants to think, is like, well, it must be a different Colin Farrell, much like the other <laughs> Jeff Braun in the world. is like, maybe there's two actors named Colin Farrell, and this is the one I've never seen before, because, you know, the one in that trailer looks absolutely nothing like the guy from... Uh, Horrible Bosses or Miami Vice or any of the other Colin Farrell movies. But anyway, the show looks interesting. So again, that, the thing about Pam debuts Tuesday on Global Survivor on Wednesday, and the Batman is in theaters now. Jeff Braun, thank you very much, sir. You betcha. Yesterday morning is when it began from a text message at 7.30 from listener Derek. Well, just a heads up. South Pemina at the perimeter, gas is up 163.9. And he even included a picture as evidence as our jaws dropped. As the morning continued, text messages and where gas was still 142, 149.9, or 153.9. Yeah, we just got a text message saying that it's under $1.45 still at Costco. So are there any other bargains left? Let us know. We want to hear from you. And the point of our next conversation is that, of course, this hike in gasoline prices will have a major impact on how much it costs to operate our personal vehicle. But what about the increased cost to those who move products and provide services? Our next guest knows a thing or two about the trucking industry. Is Director of Human Resources with Guardwine. Terry Shaw taught Brett and I the saying, if you bought it, a truck brought it. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, guys. Good morning. So how startling was yesterday's cost of fuel in- increase for your industry? Did you see it coming and did you did you see it coming in such a big chunk all at once? We knew something was happening uh, and we knew something was going to happen, but this is fairly unprecedented. Fuel prices have been very volatile over the last handful of years, um, but you know, the recent spikes and how dramatic they are and how quick they are is something, you know, in my decades of experience in industry, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it before. So what does this mean then for the cost of moving the things that the economy requires? Yeah, so there's clearly the cost of fuel, right? You know, the operating costs of any trucking company, and Guardwine is no different, is there's, you know, the cost of diesel, the cost of your people, and, and kind of that everything else cost. So, If you want to look at it very simplistically, fuel is about a third of our cost, right? And so if we take um, that cost of fuel and you average it over 
39 and a half liters per 100 kilometers traveled. That's what the average truck gets, according to Enercan. And for those of us who understand miles per gallon, that's about seven miles a gallon. And so what that means is that a buck 60 a liter, that's about 62 or 63 dollars an hour uh, if you're driving 100 kilometers an hour as a cost of fuel. Um, and that's significant because um, this time would have been about a month ago, that cost per hour of fuel was about $55, you know, and if you look two months ago, it would have been even less. So to have such a significant part of your operating cost increase so volatilely outside of your control entirely is something that not only our industry struggles with, but the entire supply chain struggles with. And so there's the fuel cost impact, but then there's also the administrative cost impact because we have to look to, you know, the owner operators we employ and ensure that we're keeping them whole. We have to work with our customers around negotiation and revising contracts if we can revise contracts. So um, just a whole host of cost uh, associated with these, these rising fuel costs. Yeah, so obviously a 10% increase on uh, a 30% of your input or cost uh, basis is is a huge number. Are you able to adjust that pricing immediately? I know you sort of just touched on that. Terry, how quickly do those negotiations start with your customers and, and how quickly are you able to, to, to make sure that your operators are whole? Yeah, and so that's the challenge and that's kind of that conflict um, between us and our partners in the supply chain, right, is they've got commitments to their customers, you know, so um, retail, I'm not going to suggest has it easier, but they've got a bit more price fluidity. And so, you know, the groceries that you, you know, are paying for today are cost slightly more tomorrow. But when it comes to dealing with manufacturers or construction companies, these folks, these projects and these price timelines they put out over many months, sometimes over years. Um, And for us as a major supplier of them to their projects, to see these kinds of increases, the negotiations take time. So we're always trying to catch up, right? Because as soon as the price is listed today is when we start negotiating. A week to a month later is when we finally come to some kind of agreement, at which point fuel is even higher, right? So, um, you know, that's always been the way of the supply chain, and that's always been the way that trucking interacts with our, our industry partners. But it does present a challenge, especially with fuel costs so high and so volatile in recent days. The hashtag for this particular segment is... We should talk. You're on crutches. People see in your walking boot. What happened? You have a story. You tell the story. There's a plan. There's a therapy plan. There's a roadmap to get you back to 100%. But when this isn't right, when this isn't right, the public doesn't know. Your best friend, your partner, you might not even know. And we just have to keep asking not only the questions outwardly, but inwardly, am I okay? That self-check-in is really important. And it's okay for guys to cry. It's okay for guys to not be okay. I know that voice. The This in that particular audio clip uh, was from a video where Greg was pointing to his heart and his mind. And this is one of a series of videos which was created by our next guest who is sitting down with Manitoba men who deal with mental health issues. 
Yeah, Ian McCausland has long been one of our city's best known and talented photographers. Welcome to the start, Ian. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I want to thank you. I want to start this uh, with a thank you, Ian. I want to express how grateful I am for being included in this project. It was an absolute uh, joy, pleasure, and honor to be a part of it. But tell us what inspired you you to take this journey to to help us men in Manitoba who struggle with this share our stories. Uh, I was actually working on a different personal project where I was profiling, you know, men turning 50 when I turned 50. And I noticed through the conversations I was having with a few of the men that they hinted at having some struggles. And uh, once they uh, felt that they were in a safe space, they kind of opened up and shared some of that stuff with me. And then I realized maybe there's something here. Maybe there's a whole bunch of guys out there that are just not able to share their stories and they need to hear other other men using their voices to share their stories normalize these kinds of conversations so that's what inspired me to uh, start this series for so many men uh for for generations i know that that conversation is finally changing but so many men uh, you know were taught that boys don't cry you just suck it up um have you when in speaking to these men did any of them reveal that that's kind of what it feels like for them, that they, you know, they, they should just figure it out on their own? Oh, definitely. The, those old stereotypes are, you know, deeply seated in, in a lot of us. You know, encouragingly, you know, some of the, I don't want to call it the next gen, but, you know, guys in their 30s and younger, they're starting to get those messages and they're starting to really understand that, these things are okay to express. So, um, you know, talking to some younger guys, you're starting to see the the change, but it's going to take a long time. And there's still lots of guys out there that don't feel comfortable just expressing expressing the emotions. Ian, is it your interpretation? I know I mentioned it in our discussion and you turned it into a short clip, this idea of stigma. Do you, do you think we've crossed the Rubicon somewhat with regard to, to stigma or is there still some work to do there? Well, that's why I pulled out that clip of yours because you, you were you were amazing in terms of talking about that. In some, I think in some circles, you're right. The the stigma has been sort of dashed, and now we need to have those supports in place. We're going to have, especially with the pandemic, we're going to have an onslaught slot of people who will have mental health issues, and we need to have those resources ready to to handle that. Um, so I think. You know, the next couple of years are going to be a really interesting time in, in, in the field of mental health. I mean, people are taking mental health days more often, that kind of thing. They're doing self-care, and, and that's great. But we also need our, our institutions to support, you know, the move towards taking care of our mental health. Greg, why don't you go ahead and ask this next question? Well, you know, anyone involved in this project, Ian, and I don't want to speak for anyone, but I suspect that sharing their story for this project is doing so with the intention, the hope to help somebody else find the assistance they need in their own journey with mental wellness issues. And I just got to say this, uh, the bonus for me has been, this is as close as I will ever get to being able to summarize what the past 20 years have been like for me, a synopsis of my journey. So thanks for that. And the people who didn't realize what was going on with me are reaching out because of these videos you've created. And, and that's been a really unexpected gift for me. What's some of the unexpected rewards for you in doing this? 
Well, to your earlier point, I know like sitting down in front of a camera, a couple cameras with a bunch of lights and stuff like that, super intimidating. But, you know, one of my subjects, Carson, said, you know what, I'm willing to do this if it means I can I can reach out and, and affect, you know, one person. If I can change one person's life with all this effort, all of this will be worth it. And that's kind of the attitude I'm taking towards. This is a passion project. I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm just doing this out of out of passion for the subject and I'm not I don't have any expectations of anything from it other than if we can reach out and touch a few lives and change the conversation then mission accomplished. How do we uh, how do we find these videos Ian? Well, as you mentioned the, the hashtag is we should talk. Um, if you look on Instagram or Twitter under that hashtag you you'll you'll find links to some of the clips or you can go to my website super easy to remember it's ianian.ca ian mccausland you're, you're a gift ian sorry brett i was composing myself you're a gift my friend and uh thanks for uh taking this on i know it's having an impact because i'm hearing about it every single day and uh, let's keep in touch on this okay you bet thanks thanks so much for uh, having me and uh, I should point out as well, you're an excellent uh, photographer. You made Greg look great on camera. So <laughs> I've got a few. No tricks. makeup, yeah. by the way, just so there's just so that's clear. That's how good he is. <laughs> Ian McCausland joining us live on 680 CJOB, one of Winnipeg's best known and talented photographers. And uh, GMAC, I referenced it off the top. What's coming up on Sunday? Yeah, we don't want to bog anyone down with any numbers or statistics here, but we do want to point out that Overdose Awareness Day is coming up this Sunday, as you mentioned, Brett, and there's a definable link between mental health issues and addiction. This is from the Centre of Addiction and Mental Health, Canada's largest mental health teaching hospital. It's in Toronto, and it says on its website, men have higher rates of addiction than women, while women have higher rates of mood and anxiety disorders. People with a mental illness are twice as likely to have a substance use problem compared to the general population. At least 20% of people with a mental illness have a co-occurring substance use problem. For people with schizophrenia, the number may be as high as 50%. Similarly, people with substance use problems are up to three times more likely to have a mental illness. More than 15% of people with a substance use problem have a co-occurring mental illness. And we will be discussing overdose awareness throughout the day on CJOB, including at 935 And that's part of the, you know, as far as uh, mental wellness goes and... You, uh, using a substance, I have spoken before about issues that I've had in the past with drinking. And one of the things that happens with, with drinking is when you drink too much or you drink, say, too often, like, say, multiple days in a row, you find yourself kind of in this never-ending circle where you get you feel good when you're drinking and then you wake up and you feel lousy and you might feel lousy through the day and not necessarily because you're hungover just because you're you know you're sad your alcohol is a depressant and how do you so what becomes the cure to 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 snap yourself out of it you pour yourself a drink and then it just you find yourself kind of almost feeling trapped in that and it can be hard to break out of that
this is the first week in probably two years where I actually made it to bed before 9 o'clock every day, Sunday through last night. I feel great for once. And uh, I was on my phone a little bit less. You may have noticed I was a little quieter on the chat, on our group chat. And that wasn't because I was ignoring you. I was just making a conscious decision to put my phone down. And uh, I, for once, actually feel pretty good. Congratulations on that. And I didn't notice for the reasons that you might suspect that I know. Where is Brett? Why isn't he contributing to our conversation? Uh, no, I, I had a sneaking suspicion. It was a very, very conscientious choice by you to kind of make some time for yourself. And that is on my list as well as the weather starts to change here. You know, I think about the value of taking an hour walk and doing nothing but listening to music on my phone for that hour. It's a double whammy. It'll take me away from the negativity of social media and all the things going on in the world. I don't want to ignore it, but I need a break from it. And then to get that physical activity going again as well, I think it's going to be a, a plus, plus, plus situation, you know, that that three win scenario. So uh, good on you. And, uh, you know, let, let's uh, try and keep this going. Uh, for for a few weeks here because uh, how long does it take to create a habit prep three weeks to create a habit greg mackling and uh hey the music will help your mental wellness too if you listen to music for at least a half hour a day that gives your mental uh, health a huge boon greg mackling who are we about to say hello to it's our friend host Anchor of Global News Morning, seen weekdays, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on CKND Winnipeg Channel 9, Cable 12, HD Channel on Shaw Cable 101. Morning, Gabby. (laughs) Brett can see me shaking my head in shock and awe at your ability to rattle that off. So thank you for that lovely introduction. I don't know of any songs with Gabby or Gabrielle, but I think I would love it. I mean, even if it were disparaging, I'd own that moniker with pride. Just like some really awful hip hop song where it's like, yo, Gabby. Yeah, she's 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 got the swag on right now. She loves it already. They're not great. Crabby, flabby. The the rhymes with Gabby, I'm just saying, aren't very inspiring. So hmm. if you can think of a positive rhyme for Gabby, 204-780-6868. Not too shabby. There you go. Oh, look at you. All the skills. (laughs) Okay, so uh, we spent a lot of time this week talking about Husli as the the Ukrainian male chorus. They performed, of course, the Ukrainian and Canadian national anthems at the Jets game earlier this week, and it was magnificent. It was inspiring. It was emotional, etc. So that had us chatting uh, midweek about music, that inspires you. So what you got? Also, just sorry, side note, shout out to Hoosley. We ran a story. We actually went to one of their practices the other day. And so we talked to them and then ran some of their practice. And I, I cried on the news desk today. It was such a beautiful story. And so many of them talked about their family. And they seem like just an incredible group and obviously so talented. So thank you for what you do to that, uh, that choir. Uh, I was saying, music I find I like to feel. I love feeling. I'm a big feeler. I feel big. And uh, it can make you so sad. It can make you so reflective. And it can make you so happy. And my song, if I'm bummed out, Come and Get Your Love, Redbone. Turn ah. it on. I've got a whole dance, like handguns are coming out. There's like a, a lunging part that's kind of Beyonce. It's like a shaking part. Hit the floor. Gets inappropriate at one point, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so what are Hand you like? Handguns, like 
Uh, oh, sorry, Brett, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just uh, handguns. Like you mean like the your Peter pointers or like a pistol and. Kind of like more like Western. Think less like gang violence, more like Western pistols up in here. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so you're like Star Lord, you're Chris Pratt in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's how it started, actually, to be honest with you. I think that's where it came. But there's also a really lovely French commercial about cell phones that makes me cry with that song in it. So there you go. Search something on YouTube today. Really? Yeah. A French cell phone commercial that uses Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. It's so beautiful. I'm going to send it to you. It should be made into a feature film. Okay. (laughs) Send it on. (laughs) Okay, what about quit? You're not a quitter, are you? Such a quitter, you guys. Not anymore. I try not to quit anything anymore, but... uh, as a kid, I'm going to blame this one on my parents, as I often do in this segment. Um, no accountability here. So we weren't allowed to quit anything. It was kind of like we were able to join a lot of activities, but once we were in them, we were not quitting. We were practicing for hours upon end. We were going to every dance rehearsal, every piano show, everything. So then at a certain point, I think you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And as a teenager, I had zero motivation for anything but partying. So come 16, 17, I basically just quit everything. I'd been dancing for like 12 years at that point, playing piano for a similar amount of time. And I just quit, you guys. I quit everything. I quit all my activities. And now all I have to show for it is that I'm a good dancer at weddings. (laughs) That's better than most people. I don't know how many weddings you've been to, but there are not a lot of good dancers at most weddings I attend. So I'd say you're like, you know, you're a one percenter. I didn't realize that. Silver lining. Brett, do you quit things? Are you a quitter? Um, what did I, I can't even remember what I talked about this week. Uh, the duvet. Oh, was, yeah, that was my duvet. Oh, That's yes. what inspired the whole thing. Cover. They're yeah. annoying, hey? I quit the duvet. This, I hate the duvet cover and I, wa- I don't wash it super often because I use an undersheet as well. So it almost seems pointless to use a duvet cover anyway. But there it is. I had this duvet cover because it was gifted to me. My dad found it. My mom, um, as he goes through her stuff since she passed a few years ago, he finds all these random things that she has never used. And she had this really lovely duvet cover. It was like, I think the brand was just called Hotel. Like it was a hotel quality duvet cover. Uh, And it was super nice. So I thought, well, I don't have a duvet. I guess I'm buying a duvet. And um, I realized that putting a duvet inside a duvet cover is the worst thing in the world. I hate it so much. And every time I wash this stupid thing, it gets it somehow gets more frustrating. Like you would think that it would be easier with each time, but it gets harder uh, I think because I want it to be easier and then I just get frustrated with it. And people send me videos, oh, you should try this burrito roll technique or you should try this. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, or the California roll or there's like a Tasty. weird folding trick. And I, I tried it all and I just, I got so frustrated. I just Hulk Hogan it and tore it to pieces. I'm like, that's it. It's in the garbage. That's all an impressive arm strength there. Uh, maybe Greg can attest to this. And I'm not trying to shame you for not having that special someone to put on the duvet cover with, but Greg, weigh in here. I think the secret to a duvet cover is you need to have a partner to put it on with you. Like if you each grab one corner and then you sort of shake it out together, it's definitely a two-person job. It's super hard by yourself. Sorry for your frustration. <laughs> You're the Hulk. Greg, am I, am I making sense here? You need two people to put You're on a duvet cover. You're making complete sense, yes. The inside corner to the inside corner, you sort of, you sort of uh, roll out the... 
the duvet cover, but you know what? We gave up on the duvet cover in this house too. So I feel Brett's pain on that, even though we had four hands and two brains to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and, and to be fair, like it's the, the duvet on its own is actually quite a nice, it's a nice blanket and whatever. Uh, but uh, I should, I've been meaning to buy one of those heavy blankets anyway. So maybe this will do it. And we've only got a few, uh, about 30 seconds here. Loren was kept awake by the, tri- the dripping tap the other day in her bathtub. Anything annoying that keeps you up at night? Well, a question real quick for people who operate heavy machinery. Can you turn the backup sound off on a loader or like a shoveler? Because <laughs> late at night, there's this plow. Plow? Loader? I don't know what they're called. Anyway, it was taking care of the parking lot. And all you'd hear as of 11 p.m. till 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. every 20 seconds. So, boop. <laughs> Can you turn that off? There's nobody around. Well, it's it's also beep, 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 and then it, <laughs> as they're grading along the ground, beep, beep. Yeah, that's, uh, hey, it's part, that's one of those, well, it comes to the territory, but yeah, GMAC, uh, do, they, do they come down your way at night? No, typically not. Typically it's in the middle of the day. Uh, I've lucked out the last, I want to say the last three, it's been between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. They inevitably come on garbage and recycling day, which I find odd. So they have to send somebody ahead to move all the recycling and garbage carts out of the way first. And then the plows come and do their thing. But I haven't been awoken by a snow plow in, in years and years. Maybe it's just luck of the draw or I sleep a lot better than I thought. Gabrielle Marchand. A pleasure as Sorry. always. Thank that, you. That was delightful. Heading into Friday, big takeaways. We can all make truck sounds. <laughs> Happy Friday. Taxes getting ready for tax season. It's actually the subject of our question of the day at cjob.com. For credit aid, overwhelmed by debt, call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. But we're asking you for a chance to win two tickets for Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show for to just tell us a story about taxes. Like Vince, Greg, what's Vince got for us as one of our runners-up? Taxes, and that's the way I hear it every time I see it. Taxes. I used to work at an accounting firm and was in the tax pool every spring, every year. Same guy would show up. Last day, bread bag full of receipts. He owned a deli. Everything reeked of smoked meat. (laughs) I'm trying to sort everything out. The rest of my coworkers are headed out the door for a drink. (laughs) That guy just drove me crazy. Hopefully feel better saying that out loud. (laughs) Steve had an interesting uh, perspective, and that's how he spells his name, Steve. Steve says, hey, uh, I am possibly one of those rare Canadians who absolutely loves to pay taxes. Even at a store. Yes, even at a store checkout, I silently shed a tear at being charged only a GST and a PST. Where's the HST? And where's the VAT? I feel that I am somehow cheating my government. In my opinion, we as Canadians are woefully undertaxed. I have never met a tax that I did not like. I don't sense any sarcasm in that at all, Brett. (laughs) We're actually going to take this in a different direction, though. So just roll with us here for a second. This is from Kathy. We are going to award the prize to Kathy for her kind of whoopsie-daisy honesty. So why don't you read Kathy's first part of the story, Greg? I read this text message earlier this morning with a lot of interest, in fact, and it starts out like this. He spent most of our first date on his phone. 
He explained that he was the captain of a soccer team and they were getting ready for a tournament and a few players were sick. So he had to find more so they didn't forfeit. So I gave him another chance. I'm thinking, where's this going? Second date, I brought Chinese food to his place and then we walked to the movie theater. On the way back from the movie, I said, uh, how good late night leftover Chinese food would be. Hint, hint. And he said, don't do that. You'll get fat. So I spent the rest of the walk lecturing him about the unreal expectations on women re-body image, and he still tried to kiss me after. Needless to say, there was no third date. And then, Greg, she sent a follow-up text. (laughs) Oops! I meant to send that to another radio station. To which Greg asked... Are you cheating on us? And she says, I only change stations when you guys have commercials, I promise. (laughs) So, Kathy, you made us both laugh with your story, and we appreciate your honesty. So, we're giving you the prize today. There it is. This comes from the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Canada's largest mental health teaching hospital, by the way. Men have higher rates of addiction than women, while women have higher rates of mood and anxiety disorders. And people with mental illness are twice as likely to have a substance use problem compared to the general population. At least 20% of people with a mental illness have a co-occurring substance use problem. For people with schizophrenia, that number may be as high as 50%. And similarly... People with substance use problems are up to three times more likely to have a mental illness. More than 15% of people with a substance use problem, Brett, have a co-occurring mental illness. Our next guest is the author of the book Addiction Emergency Response Plan, a 30-day collaborative approach. He is an interventionist, father, and friend to produce exactly the book you wish you had because it's exactly what he wished he had when he faced a crisis We say good morning to Rick Boland. Rick, good morning, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. So the correlation between mental health issues and addiction, what's the connection in your experience? Well, I'll tell you what. um, It is really well known that many people uh, stumble their way into addiction as a way of self-medication for underlying issues that they are facing. And it doesn't surprise me at all, and I think it's so great that you guys are sharing those important statistics uh, that you just shared, that, you know, men, we're not as good as talking at talking about our feelings as women are, right? Like, we don't grow up in cultures where men sit around and, and talk about how they're feeling. We sit around and talk about sports, and we sit around and talk about politics, right? And And women have much better coping mechanisms for learning to connect with each other and and that connection between mental health and addiction comes down to the fact that too many of us men go seeking a solution for our feelings in a bottle or in a pill or in a needle instead of in connecting with friends or connecting with family and and i think that is really the root of it right back in 2015 the british journalist harry wrote that wonderful book called chasing the scream where He lost his partner to a heroin addiction, and he wanted to understand the nature of addiction. And at the end of the day, he concluded that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And and so for for all of us who are going through tough times, and and you don't live through a pandemic, uh, and certainly given the huge 
population of Ukrainian Canadians in Manitoba, you, you don't live through this the war that we're seeing in Ukraine and not find it frustrating or depressing or irritating or 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 horrible. And and it's just tougher for us men to reach out and talk about those things. It's easier for us to reach out and grab the beer. So that connection, Rick, I think it's an important word to to maybe go down this road a little bit more because if connection is powerful enough to help us once we've, you know, if we've faced an addiction and we're in counseling or whatever types of programs we might be in, in terms of helping us get on back on the right path, if connection is strong enough to bring us back from our worst, what does that say about the power of connection to help us before we get to that point? Absolutely, Greg. Absolutely. You know, it's, you know, I wrote the book because I was trying to help people who were seeking recovery connect with those people who most want to help them through the process. And, and before the addiction, you know, before our behavior becomes a full blown addiction and, and we're making, you know, I'm talking pretty fast and loose here about the nature of addiction and, and I don't want any you know, professionals who are listening, or I don't want anyone who is struggling with addictive behaviors uh, to think that we're making light of this, that all it takes is one good conversation. But it is absolutely the case that if you are struggling with a behavior that is affecting your life in a negative way, and you realize that you're doing that because of underlying feelings that you have, take a chance be vulnerable, reach out to a therapist, reach out to a family member and start a conversation instead of drowning your feelings, instead of seeking, you know, that feeling of being numb rather than confronting them, lean in and let someone know that you want to have a conversation. And more importantly, if you notice someone in your, in your life, if someone that you love, someone that you work with, someone that you care about, if you notice that they're more glum, if you notice that they're more withdrawn, if you notice that events in their lives are really pushing them into a darker place, reach out to them and let them know it's okay. We can talk. We can talk about these things that are taking place. You don't need to run away from them or disconnect to them, you know, through a bottle or through a pill. Uh, you know, you don't have to smoke a joint in order to feel good. You can have a conversation and lean into those feelings and know that you're okay. We all go through this. Obviously, we don't have time to go through the entire uh, 30-day collaborative approach. And plus, I would defeat the perp. You wrote the book on that. So you can, of course, get more information in the book, Addiction and Emergency Response Plan. But can you maybe just give us, I don't know, maybe like one or two beyond what you just described, maybe uh, a couple more steps that one should perhaps take? Yeah, just start the conversation. Um whether you are the one who is trying to overcome an addiction or you're the one who is trying to support someone overcoming an addiction, the first step is connecting with your feelings. Um, and so few of us actually take the time to recognize what we're feeling. Um, but, you know, I've been, I've, been, I've been thinking a lot about Winnipeg this week. Uh, you know, I watched the men's choir stand up and present the Ukrainian national anthem uh, before the Habs game the other night. And I was just so full of pride in, that, in the community uh, and in the way that, you know, Winnipeggers are responding uh, to this next piece of horrible news that we're dealing with. You know, we're just coming out of the pandemic. But connecting with your feelings, um, acknowledging that it is scary when someone is struggling that you love, 
um, but that through that fear, you are also you, you're not letting go of your love and you're not letting go of your understanding and you're not letting go of your compassion. So step one is connect with your feelings, connect with your feelings and have real conversations about how you're feeling. Um, obviously, you, you know, I want people to read the book. Uh, uh, you can jump on Amazon and, and you can get it. But I also I work with at least two uh, uh, groups every month reading through the book. So if you get to the book and you think this is too much for me and you need help, just connect with me through the website and, and I will, um, I'll read the book with you. Um, if you don't have anyone else to read the book with you, I'll read it with you. And, uh, we'll see if we can't help, uh, more people along the way. But I just, it's, uh, uh, obviously a Sunday we're going to stop and we're going to think a little bit about overdoses and uh, we can stop them. We can stop people from overdosing if we're just willing to lean in and start the conversations. And I hope people will do that. Rick, this conversation's already spoken very directly to one of our listeners who's dealing with addiction right now. He's thanking us for this discussion. Can I send him the website? Oh, absolutely. Please do addictionerp.com. He can email me through that and I will read the book with him. I absolutely don't want anyone to feel like they are alone. We are, we are all one big community, Greg, and, uh, and um, just being there for each other is what counts at the end of the day. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate you immensely. You, you know I love you. Thanks for this, man. Thank you, and thank you, Winnipeg, for everything that you're doing to show your support for Ukrainians. My great-grandmother left Ukraine 100 years ago when the Russians brought a war to her doorstep, and that's why I was born in Canada. And I know that things are going to work out okay for Ukraine. It's just a horrible, horrible time there now. And, and just um, Winnipeg, stay strong. Rick Boland is the author of Addiction Emergency Response Plan, a 30-day collaborative approach. And what was the uh, the consensus, Greg, on how to refer to him in as far as his Winnipeg connection goes? A Winnipegger now living in Colorado? That's perfect. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.